Hi, I'm Paul Warren. And I'm Ryan Klein. And this is another episode of SEO is Dead and Other Lives. Ryan, it has been like six or seven months since we've last podcasted. We, we are terrible podcast hosts. Yeah, especially, especially bad when said, hey, I think that we're really getting back to the swing of things. I think that we really have a cadence that we're going to follow for once. And <laughs> sure enough, here we are. Well, you know what? We, we have busy lives outside of this podcast, unfortunately. And I don't think either one of us has had the additional time to uh, to spend podcasting how, how we should. Um, I'm not making any promises that we're going to get back to normally podcasting after last year. Uh, yeah. But hopefully we get more than we did last year, just in general. So that'd be great for That's, our listeners. It's definitely wishful thinking for now. Um, and I like, I, I appreciate it. It's, it's a new Paul. It's not, hey, we're back in the swing of things. It's, hey, yeah, stuff is uh, a little hectic and we'll do what we can. Yeah, I mean, we're both, we're, we're, you know, we're both practicing business people, practicing SEOs for, for, to a certain degree. Um, maybe a little more than me than you at this point, because I think you're real busy running an agency, which is a great segue to the topic that we're going to be covering today, which is if you are doing SEO, you're interested in starting your own agency. Um, we're going to talk today about how you go about doing that. And there's no one I know that is a better resource than that than, than Ryan Klein on the, on this podcast who, you know, started something from, from scratch and grew it to a pretty, a pretty good sized agency right now. So, so we're going to cover, you know, pretty much how Ryan got started, but let's say, you know, you're an in-house guy. You're like, I got it. I want to take the jump. I want to have my own business. I have a registered business. It's legal. So we're not going to cover anything that's like, you know, if you were to, how to register a business with like your state. Uh, hopefully you can figure that out on your own. We've already done it. Uh, but like, let's say you got all that. How do you get your first client? How do you start growing the business? And I'm sure every single state does different differently as far as registration. I only know the SunBiz and we can just drop a line for anyone in Florida for that one. Oh, SunBiz.org. <laughs> yeah, I think this is an interesting conversation. Um, I think this is uh, something that we'd love talking about right now, especially with the great resignation <laughs> that we've been hearing about so much. And it's been shut down my throat via LinkedIn for gosh, the past six plus months. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we're in a position, especially with remote work and just all these different configurations going on that, you know, some people have more options to work in-house. Some people have more options to go out and consult and do this kind of thing. So, I guess, oh, well, I can tell you to preface everything that my account, like starting up the agency, this is going to be very anecdotal um, because it's just going to be based off my experience. But of course, there's some other more structured general best practices, I suppose, too, that were observed much later on. And yeah. Like you said, so, nice. so that yeah. might be one of the things you point out that you might want to do differently, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about like how you started your agency? There are people that just learn SEO and then decide to be a consultant or, or create an agency right away, uh, which I wouldn't advise because uh, that's straight up irresponsible. <laughs> so I'm just gonna, that's that's my um, flow chart right there. Have you ever worked in house and actually done it somewhere? No, don't do this. Um, so you have to start with a yes, and that's that's <laughs> the start have right there. Have experience before you uh, <laughs> take on clients. This is like your, your first yeah. step. Okay. So I I didn't start considering doing SEO for other businesses apart from the agency or in-house until I was doing SEO for about, about three or four years. So that's like, that's a start. Um, I think that I wanted to feel you know confident and then be able to responsibly work with people before I was entrusted to take over a campaign that could potentially not entirely make or break their business, but not waste a a ton of their money yeah so well, yeah. Uh, there are you work in a particular niche which is legal um which it definitely can make or break a, a firm uh you know like there's a lot of firms that that were because paid search is so expensive right and, and like that particular niche um organic is very very important especially if you're like a firm that has to do volume right um like if you're like criminal like duis for example you got to do volume of dui in order for to like make a living off of that um just because like the returns aren't aren't that great you know on like a dui case so there are definitely tons of law firms that like live and die by like organic rankings for sure like you know the, the same one that we worked for i remember we had 
we had some down down periods there and like there was a lot less legal and like legal assistance uh and working over that time frame than there were before that you know because they, they just did not have the revenue coming to pay people yeah it's it's interesting because you'll have some people that are uh, I guess I could say a little bit more traumatic than others. And they say, you know, if things don't turn around in a couple months, I'm closing the doors. And they're like, <laughs> what doors? Are you talking about like the front doors? <laughs> um, and then it's just kind of a, a nudge that, you know, there's a sense of urgency. But then when you start seeing people let go, then you might say, hey, maybe maybe they're really like- uh, It does start a little bit of a fire under under your seat. You know, you're like, the, I, I gotta start doing this. It's real. So uh, I suppose not to get too far off topic, going back to the original question, how, how it started. It's, it started um, really just with um, kind of a friend. And that's actually how a lot of these things start. And you probably know that too, from having done, you can say is consulting or a little freelance too. You have generally someone that's a friend or a friend of a friend or a family that's like, hey, they do web. It's, it's like we hear all the time. My grandson builds websites. My, uh, you know, my best friend in college, he, he does social. Like it, it is kind of the same that's, story a lot of times. I think what, once people <clears throat> out there, you know, in the universe find out that you know how to do SEO, like there's a lot of people that come to you. Whether or not they would be good clients is, is a different conversation but there's a lot of people that will come to you and, and ask for your services without you advertising it right like like you'll you will get approached to do seo it's like passive networking i don't know how else you put it but yeah there just becomes this this common knowledge that like ron paul they, they know uh they know SEO. ask them ask them yeah, that like, they, can, they can get it, you on google 90 percent of the time you aren't gonna want any of those people as like a client oh, that's not gonna that's have money <laughs> perfectly accurate number uh, but you might find some gems yeah there, there might be some gems to mine from it uh so our, our first clients um were, were very straightforward my dad's best friend home remodeling chicago I have, I have no business doing it it actually worked out pretty well for for a little bit um it was a little bit easier um 10 years ago when you know angie's list and home advisor and, and expertise and thumbtack and everything wasn't dominating directories and you could rank website like okay especially with the geo strategy so yeah home remodeling no business doing that pest control uh friend's father no business doing that <laughs> so there's like a few a few things but you get you get your feet wet i would say that it's almost like a a blessing in disguise to really have someone that's a little bit close to you you're probably not going to make like a lot of money. You do it on weekends. You do it at late at night. You kind of learn what it's like to communicate with the business owner. It's it's almost like a, it's like your newbie zone. You know, you get to kind of feel yeah. comfortable before you deal with people you don't know. <clears throat> and so, so how are you communicating with with like business owners at the beginning? Just straight up emails or like what what was the cadence like? Everything. Some of them are gonna <laughs> since you since you're the account manager, you're the SEO, you're a content writer, you're every everything like, and you pretty much don't have uh, good control over the relationship. Essentially, they're gonna probably text you, they're gonna call you, uh, you know, email you. They're gonna do it when it's convenient for them, not not for you. You're gonna have to be available. If you don't get back within a reasonable amount of time, they get stressed out. So they're. <laughs> I guess what piece of advice, which like as much as it sounds like it makes sense, you probably wouldn't be able to accomplish that is is um managing the, the relationship. You're gonna have to be very, very accommodating, get used to it, at least with those first people. You you've done that. It sounds like you don't have a lot of project management software, right? You're just putting Zero. stuff in the spreadsheet. <laughs> or or a notepad, a physical notepad. <laughs> yeah. So so it's very it's very raw. It's very like on the plus side. They, they get a lot more of your time um, dedicated to like their particular project because one, you have less clients, right? Um, so so that's good. But were you charging like billable hours or were you charging just like a flat fee? Like like how was that working? Yeah, we always did a retainer since, since day one. Um, there's no way that there was anything logical or scientific to how we quoted. It was probably like just a spitball. And also, um, I'm I'm saying we because I did go into this this venture with a, a partner. Um, it was a you know a friend of mine playing band together. You know, Mr. Chase Williams. I've no, known him for years. So that that is unique uh, to have a partnership from the get go. And you both are working full time jobs though, in addition to the to like the clients you're taking. Yeah, he was in New York. He was working at Adobe doing pay per click, and and I was in Orlando. Um, doing in house doing mostly SEO and content marketing. So, so I guess like. Uh, Ryan's words of wisdom, like 
number one, uh, if you do want to venture out and do like 50-50 partnership, the skill set should be you know, complementary. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily advise for two people to do exactly the same thing. Uh, a, a good start, um, and it still is, of course, but it was a good, especially a good start because of his background in social and paid and my background in SEO and content, and then overlapping with some knowledge of background and web design, it kind of fit together. It kind yeah. of balanced it out pretty quickly. So when, when you got your first, obviously it was a, a friend of the family, how, how you got your first client, right? Um, uh-huh. <clears throat> did you have them sign a contract? I doubt it. <laughs> I, I, um, if I had to think about what would be the first thing that was contractually binding anyone, I don't really know what it was. It wouldn't have been the family friends. They probably would have laughed at it anyway. Like, oh, look, it's key. You're trying to do like a contract or something. Um, <laughs> but the first actual client that we weren't familiar with and like didn't have a, any sort of history with, we had to have used some sort of template. And I guarantee it also wasn't drafted and approved by a lawyer, which it is now. And it has been for a long time. But yeah. I guarantee that the first few was very boilerplate and so not you, you did, forcible. <laughs> you just took some someone else's contract and put your name in it, basically. And like, I, I guarantee it. I guarantee yeah. if you were to be a lawyer, you'd be like, you can't enforce this or there's nothing here that <laughs> it just was like, you, you can't mess around. You can't mess around with that kind of stuff. Um, because when it was solid and we were able to enforce it, it's definitely um, helped, helped us navigate some things with toxic clients. So it is important. Yeah. So if you're, if you were new, you, you would suggest having a contract for sure off the bat, no matter how big you are, or if you're consulting or freelance. Um, yeah. Contracts. It's just, it's just business, business standard. People are like, well, I don't want to sign anything. It's just like, Hey, listen, it protects you just as much as it protects me. Yeah. Like it does. That's the point. <laughs> so even if you don't have to legally enforce it later on, it's good just to have something that like puts everyone on the same page and like puts yeah, pen yeah. to paper and like, I think it solidifies like the relationship a little bit better, right? It's just, it's perceived at least that it's it's more solidified. Yeah, and it, well, it makes you also the perception you use like more prof- professional. I mean, if there's no contract and just even one out of a million different things that could happen, you know, you could have a client that calls you up and says, "I'm done as of today," and then that's that. What are the specifics of it? What were you like? This is what we're going to cover. This is what we're going to do. Like, what were you promised? Um, in, in a contract, it's typically kind of an overview of the company and the scope of work and a you know, breakdown of, of costs and different options. And we don't, re- we don't really do packages, but plenty of people can do packages just fine, terms and conditions. It's 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 pretty pretty standard. Um, yeah. But was it like, did you have like a cert, like a like a service agreement basically that was a part like that's what was outlined in like the contract? Like mm-hmm. we're going to do it for 12 months and this is the price. And like, were there specifics to like KPIs in it? Oh, like we're going to hit goals and yeah. that kind of thing. Like we're yeah, going to promise those kinds of things. So that's yeah. kind of, um, <laughs> the, so th- this is, I think in itself a pretty interesting topic because you don't want to set yourself up for failure in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of, I don't know, I don't want to necessarily say sales tactics, um, but there's a lot of ways to kind of circumvent making promises or being held accountable for metrics that might not be always within your control as a, as making that the only measure of success mm-hmm. in a campaign. So that's almost a whole conversation itself. And you, and you probably have all those sorts of conversations. You can have that conversation as in any in-house anywhere in-house for sure you're yeah. gonna have to have you're gonna have to set expectations for like what, what you're gonna do for like the, generally it's like the year um you know or, or like a specific project but um so how do you go about how do you set realistic expectations with a client so the the goal is in this I, this might sound um hopefully it doesn't sound contradictory but it's setting kind of a range or like a window you have to kind of give yourself kind of some padding or a buffer for like every metric that you give. So it can't be like, you're going to be like definitively ranked three within six months. It's like, we're, we're hoping that we're going to get X to, to here um, within a window three to six months or like at this on the first page. We, we're not vague. We're trying to be like as implicit with what we're doing as possible, but it's also important to move the expectations to other things that also make sense. So keywords aren't the end all be all like we shouldn't be held accountable necessarily for 
the only measure of success being these keywords in the top three. We're going to be doing local. We're going to also be doing long tail. Like the goal is more so you're going to see an uptick in business that we can prove as opposed to just like some vanity keywords. Like it's also good to to shift where people place the yeah. value. And you could ultimately like maybe you ranked number one for a keyword. Maybe the client was like, I want to be number one for this. But then you're like, well, there isn't any volume around that, but they still really care about it. And it's like, well, you know, you're already third for it. So if you're number one, you're, you're not really going to get very much more anyways. <laughs> yeah. So there's always an ego plan. <clears throat> Fortunately and unfortunately, at however you look at it, it happens in legal a lot because, and I'm sure it happens in other industries, but you know, like, I hate that guy. They're number one. They've been number one for the past year. That They suck. They don't even do a good job. And it's like, so you... So you deserve number one, but Google doesn't think you deserve number one. But if we get you number one, you're going to be ha happy and that's going to be a win for you. So you just want to avoid those traps, especially what you're saying too, because if there's no traffic, they'll get there and then they'll turn around and say, well, wait, I'm not really getting any business. So this isn't working. And they're like, see, oh, shoot, I, I shouldn't yes. have focused on it so much. I've always thought, it, and, and I do this in-house, right? It's like you, you want to know what the keywords are that are important that it convert. And you want to, you obviously as an SEO, you want to rank for it because you know that that's like the direct correlation, right? Is like, you know, that's how it all, how it all works. If you rank higher for like certain things, you're going to get more traffic from it. It's going to convert more. Um, but I, I always just try and like take that part of it out of like what the KPIs are. Like I'll worry about whatever it is, like what they should worry about. And what, what's cool is, is like, the traffic from it, right? Like, is our traffic going up? Um, are, is like the bounce rate going down? Um, are there like GMB actions like increasing, you know, like views increasing, like all that kind of stuff that isn't necessarily attached to like one keyword because there's like so many, there's so, there's like almost an unlimited amount of like keywords that like will make it like a map hack fire, right? Um, certain, you, you can't track them all because there's so many. Everything's important for a different reason. Like some, some things have no search volume, but high conversions. And then some things have like a ton of like search volume, but like way, way more competition. Uh, so it's, you know, you don't want to focus too much on that. And, and anytime I've ever worked, you know, you always see like emails from like agencies that are like sketchy and it's like, oh, we guarantee like top three rankings for blah, blah, blah keywords within like the first three months or something like that. And it's always like, oh, well, we ran paid search campaigns, right? <laughs> and so, so that's how we got it. Oh, so really? Is, is that how they kind of show the value? They end up doing yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh yeah, because that's weak. So I've, I've always believed just like any SEO agency that promises results usually does not have your best interests in mind. You can definitely beat other people when you're doing pitches and not have to promise anything. And, and it has to do with also just business mindset for, they, I mean, a lot of people you're talking to have worked with SEOs in the past um, at this point. There's very, it's very few companies. And again, it's a good thing and a bad thing because you have people that are super jaded, but then you have also people that know what to look for and, and, it's an opportunity to give them a fresh perspective, but yeah, I don't think anyone, I don't talk to anyone anymore. That's like, what are you going to promise me? If I don't hit this in like three months, do I get my money back? I want to guarantee you have to just present it in not the conventional way. And client can't dictate what they're looking for because they don't typically know what's best for them is the, the one, the sure. biggest thing. They, that's they one really know how SEO works. works. If they've done this before and they have some some knowledge, they're going to know that some of their main vanity keywords are going to get business. And like, there's no disputing it. Like if they rank number one organically on the maps for like a strong keyword that gets hundreds of searches a month, it's like, yeah, there's no disputing that that's a valuable keyword. The, the thing is, is it can't be all about that. So, you know, I guess this is a Ryan's tip number two. The, the, thing, the thing with the pitch and, and how we kind of presented is that there's never going to be one thing that's going to work. Like a long-term goal or a short-term goal might be to go after that keyword, but also might be a variation. It might be, you know, without a geo, it might be uh, the, the hundreds of variations like you're talking about, how, how people search. We're going to maybe propose local service ads or a exact match Google ad campaign or work on maps. Like yeah. you have to hit it from every angle. And the goal is the towards the bottom of the funnel, not the top of the funnel. We're looking at leads yeah. like officially APIs are, are important because that's going to be, you know, correlative with success. But at the end of the day, however the leads come in and if they're quality leads, maybe they don't rank top three, even but, though you said that you would. Would you have done anything differently with setting like expectations on KPIs if you had it to do over again? I'm trying to think if anyone decided to move on because of a very specific or set as keywords 
that we promised and we just didn't get there. I can't really think of anything um, top of mind because we've moved away from that approach to our engagement kind of a while ago already. It's been like three or four years since we're like. So your so only advice would just be only look at engage, like make your KPIs engagement based and not like keyword based. Well, well, we like using the the KPIs, but they're KPIs at the end. That's not the measure of. Uh, success for us. It's the measure of progress. That's the difference for us. We, we look at KPIs as progress. We look at leads as a success. Okay. So we want to move it along with the, you know, past that. So if someone comes to us and says, um, well, we've been working together for a year and I'm still not top three for these keywords. Generally we come to them and say, all right, but we're also have 300% increase in leads because this, 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 they're not going to leave. We're still, yeah. it's still a long-term goal. As long as we're also transparent for maybe the reasons they, they aren't three for those keywords, we can still show that the value is still coming from what the work that we're doing. Now, do you have any problems like getting that information from, from clients or like, did you in the past? Cause like That's I've always, had clients. It was a battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've had clients um, for sure. I mean, like I've had my own, I've had clients like outside of like a main gig for most of my life, most of my professional life. Um, <clears throat> and it's always a struggle to get like, confirmation of what converted like especially if it's a small if it's like a small business right where like they just pick up the phone and like there isn't like a crm they're they're keeping track of it as just them like answering a phone <laughs> basically which there's a lot of businesses that are that are like that i i completely agree and uh legal is no exception um and there's there's two things that are kind of going on there and it definitely applies to literally any business is that the general business doesn't track their leads or have a CRM. And then also most businesses have terrible intake. And that's um, something that we've acknowledged more in the past couple of years. And, but has been always present since like day one. And that is a, a great piece of advice. I'd say for anyone that it's, it's interesting because we still struggle with that today and we, but we're still continuing to come up with ideas of how to push clients in a way where they can participate more in conversion and intake. So we're all happy. But if it's something that um, was always present since day one, but we couldn't even like think that far ahead or fathom that that was the issue. Like we didn't even like realize that was a thing for probably several years. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's really big to be able to prove what you've done is, is working. And, and a part of that is working with, with your client to get that information. And so whether it's like getting access, I think, to their CRM so you can see the conversion data as it comes in or like helping them set something up uh, to keep track of it. But like ultimately at the end of the day, if they don't have the conversion data, if they don't have lead data, then like it's going to be hard for you to like justify that like that you're responsible for it. Yeah. And so that's like a great piece of advice for, for anyone that's listening, no matter where you're at, even if you, you're established or you're kind of working towards it or you're working alone and, you, and you've already had conversations about like, well, I don't know what's coming from organic or, I don't, or if it's coming from you know Google or, or they, these people already knew about me. Fortunately, there's a solution. <laughs> so there, there are things in place if your client or the, who you're working with is not being cooperative and is like, oh, no, we're good. We pick up every call. <laughs> I mean, the first one thing that other agencies do, and we, we don't really do it because we don't like wasting people's time, is that other agencies will call the people they're working with at different times of the week and different, you know, different times they're, of the day. They're doing it, right? And they'll be like, listen, someone put me on hold and never got back. <laughs> someone put me on hold and got back eight minutes later. They didn't pick up at all. People will do that just to kind of illuminate the situation. And I guarantee it happens all the time. Lead attribution is a problem at every business, at every scale. A, a, in marketing in general across it's a problem like in marketing um mm -hmm. but you know i think some places definitely do a much better job than others as far as a, as attributing those leads to a particular source um and if you're smart i think you can you can take a lot of the of the question marks out of it right a lot of the guesswork and it's like setting up tracking numbers for things right like right. making sure like you've done what are best practices for digital marketing to do that um but there's ultimately like if they call a number, it's a sale, that person doesn't report it to you. Like you're not necessarily going to know. Right. You're, you're never going to know like the conversion. There's not really any way to know unless it's like in a CRM, you have access to the CRM. You can see it like updated or marked that it was a sale with like a monetary value. Like 
those things won't happen. So you have to get as much data to provide to the client. I think it's also the most qualified. I think it's also important to, to specify like you're responsible for, for leads, not necessarily sales. Um, because like you can't really control, like you can make the phone ring, but you can't control the salesperson. You can't control their personality. Yeah. Like their close rates, all that kind of stuff. Um, whoever's it, answering it. It's funny because more SEOs and pay-per-click companies are taking more and more accountability for helping to convert leads because of how frustrated they're getting with their clients squandering the leads that they're providing to them. So we're, we're friends with a Google ads company that basically will recommend several intake vendors for them and be like, basically, Hey, here's what I hear. They'll, they'll pretty much present it. Like pick one because you were going to work with one of these. <laughs> so they make them work with the intake company that specializes in conversion. And then they even coach people on what proper intake is um, just to make sure that they have the highest likelihood of converting. So now we use, we use call rail. It's been fantastic for tracking calls. Um, it's, it's dynamic number insertion. We are able to ha have a high level of certainty with organic and social and paid analysis and so you kind of you kind of present them with a report we do yeah so i can i can tell like a real quick story well we got all the time in the world i'll just, I'll just tell it how it is so call rail has been really great for us we also you know filtered out and make sure that when we're doing report reporting on a monthly basis you know there's no duplicates we make sure that the we look at the names make sure it's not like a chiropractor or another marketing company uh, we actually also filter it by calls that are over two minutes, which we would say, you know, increase the likelihood of it actually being legitimate. So there was this one time once we were going through this process and setting the criteria for what we thought to the best of our knowledge, what would be a qualified lead. We had a client says, Hey, listen, I've been working with you for a bit. I just don't really think this is working. This is probably going to be my last month. And we did the, the call report and we sent it to him and, and then we made him, we made him go on a call with us to go over the names one by one not just like get it and just dismiss it, like literally hold them accountable to go through it. And on the call, he uh, was going through it and it was like, yeah, oh yeah, that one's good. Oh, that came from organic. And at the end of the call, instead of leaving, he, he doubled his spend. <laughs> so so it's that, that kind of thing is like, I'm, I'm sold, I'm, I'm done. Like we're always gonna have a, a high level of yeah. uh, call tracking, another tracking. So when you started, we, we talked a little bit about like project management and you're just, I think using like an Excel spreadsheet and showing what you're gonna do. Right. Yeah. Um, you probably have evolved past that, um, that we're using some sort of like project management software, whether it's mm -hmm. like Monday or like uh, Asana or something. Uh, what would you suggest for someone starting out? Like what, what should they use? Because I think it's really, really important to obviously track like what you're going to do before you're going to do it when you're doing it and then have that from a reporting standpoint to, to provide. So, you know, the short answer is that we use Asana and I'm not going to say it's like the end all be all like some people like Monday and that there are others. It's good for its own reasons. Um, I, I mean, I really don't know what the, what the difference is with other ones. I'm just so, so used to Asana. I was really thinking about when the world did I use six years ago? I, did I use Basecamp? I have, I don't remember. Maybe, but you would suggest using it. I mean, like you probably started using Asana because it, it's pretty easy to use, but also I think the price point's like pretty Good. I think that's pretty reasonably priced. Yeah, I think there's like a, a there's like freemium levels of it, right? I think there's like a free level, and then if you want features and like or users added on, you have to pay, you know, to like to like bump it up. But it's definitely like a good, I think, entry level, or really even if you have to scale up, it you know, from a price standpoint, I think I think it's a good software to use. It's it's scaling well. Uh, I don't think that there's really been any limitations to it. I'm I'm sure that we probably started using it once we hit like seven or eight employees, maybe, maybe less, maybe like six. Um, it's been integrating with harvest uh, for time tracking. It's been integrating with probably a few other things I can't think of. Like one thing that we were doing a lot was using Trello for, for a lot of other like process driven or, or things that kind of were more like se sequential steps and Asana has like Trello boards. So we pretty much took all our boards that we had in Trello and put them into Asana because yeah, it's like literally the same thing. You talked a little bit about like uh, pricing. You just sort of like pulled it out of your out of, out of your butt from like a monthly like retainer. Uh, how do you go about it doing it now though? And like, what would you suggest for someone starting out? So, <laughs> pricing is is like a hotly debated topic between everyone, mm -hmm. um, and most of the time, I, I feel like most people do it 
uh, take like kind of a, a arbitrary stance on it. I feel a lot of people still wing it. Like we basically just started using some sort of calculator or some sort of logic to price things, not even a year ago. I'm not gonna, <laughs> like, not gonna lie. So a lot of it, but not to say that it didn't make sense every time. We, we based it off like historical um, quotes. So it was a lot of, well, this is like a similar client, a similar scope of work. And this is what we priced last time. And you know, this person is like, oh my gosh, it's too much. Or they said, oh, that's that's cheap. Like you get a lot of natural feedback or natural reactions from clients. So I'd hate to say that it's um, trial and error because it, it kind of is, and it may be that way. Um, there's other ways to calculate it. I mean, you could also price things based off of how many hours it's going to be and what your target hourly rate is and what your margins are. You have to just typical business principles can price yeah, things mean, appropriately. The, the margins are a lot easier to figure out when it's just you. It's a little more complicated when you have like employees. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it depends. Some people say that for an agency, you'll talk to some people that run agencies or sold or bought agencies and they're like, yeah, we're shooting for, you know, a 20% net profit or like 30%. Like once you kind of establish those numbers, you're going to, people have to educate themselves a little bit on like some of the cross the board principles, whether it be, you know, other podcasts that don't talk about the business side of that, like that much. I'm not going to talk about those kinds of things, but there's plenty of information out there about running agencies from like that that side of things. And they'll, they'll set all sorts of targets that'll help you kind of put, put in a perspective what you're shooting for. Did you ever like uh, price shop and see what other agencies were, were charging? Um, probably. We haven't done that in a while because we do have kind of our officially our own um, standard. But yeah, after a while, um, talking to other agency owners and other people in the game, and you'll, you'll know what other people are charging in similar agencies after a bit. But then you'll find out that most of them are like arbitrary. That's like the thing. Like I'll talk to, you know, other agents. I talked to a lot of other agencies in our space and there's one I was speaking with and I was talking to their director of business development. And uh, it's like, yeah, so what's going on? What are you up to? And he's like, yeah, not much. And, you know, we're, uh, we're only accepting clients. Uh, minimum spend is 6,500 a month. I'm like, what's that based on? He's like, that's just a minimum. Uh, oh, wow. So what happens if someone goes to you with $6,499 and he's like, oh. we don't take them. I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> and I never will get it because it's just. Well, that, that's probably part. based, like, I mean, that's probably based on the size of the agency too. And like what they have to, what they have to take in to even like turn a profit. Right. Like based off of like how many, how many people work there, all, all that stuff. It could be, but just based off of like what I see internally and what it costs to do things. I'm, I'm like, I still don't, I still don't get it. Cause <laughs> we take an approach that's still like a lot of our pricing scales with, with scope. Right. Yeah. That's what enables us to still take what we quote unquote, smaller clients. Um, I mean, I, I think competition plays a bit of it too. And like, you know, like you, you kind of know ahead of time, like, you know, if it, if it's a, a client in, in like a big city that like, and depending how, how poorly they're doing, the amount of effort to get them to where they need to be is going to be way more than if they're in a small market, you know, they're in a small city and there's not a lot of competition. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll kind of know. And, and your average person you're talking to, it's not that often where they're like, I've never done this before. I've never talked to anyone about it. And I have no clue how much this is going to cost. Like everyone will kind of know, and everyone's always going to have a, a number in their mind. And, and some people, frankly, and there's other sales tactics, this is just like whatever works for you thing. But there, there are some people that are like, if you ask them what their budget is, they'll tell you. I mean, some people don't. They, they're like, I don't know. I mean, you got to tell me how much it costs. But some people are like, yeah, this I was going to spend no more than 5000 a month. And then they're like, <clears> well, <throat> I can work with 5000 a month. But sometimes it happens. It depends what your approach to sales is. Yeah. Um, have you ever had issues with clients paying? Oh yeah. So that happened back in the day more. That's it happened to us a lot in the beginning. Yeah. It's just people just were they weren't paying on time. Uh almost never. And it's to this day, you know, Chase and I still kind of talk about it. And we're just like, do they know that we were smaller starting up and they were taking advantage of us? Or were they just the kind of clients where they were just naturally more toxic and and just wanted to stiff the people they worked with? And it's we still don't really exactly know, but I mean, one tip, Ryan, tip number number three, no matter how big their client is, no matter how big, like they could be 50% of your monthly revenue, you have you have to stop working with them after 30 days of not paying. Like I know it would hurt and, and you're probably like, oh, but like I'll keep working. But if I lose them, like that's half my revenue. It's they're They're going to probably take advantage of the situation because more times than not, 
they're yeah. it's not that they're like behind and they're like oh shoot i just like the check got lost a mill like they might be just um, flexing see how far it can go have you ever recouped any of that after the fact like let's say you stopped working one like did you ever get paid um <laughs> there, there was one uh that was kind of funny uh when we were in new york a long time ago and we were working more with restaurants because that was actually the majority of our clients at the time so we were working with this this restaurant out in um i guess like in midtown and they were our biggest client at the time i don't know how much it was i can guarantee it wasn't that crazy but it was for us at the time and i think that we worked four months without getting paid wow so they they were behind quite quite a bit but again exactly the same mindset yeah well if we get like too aggressive then they're just going to cut it we're never going to get paid and we we felt like you know our hands were tied kind of situation but I don't at some point we did have a contract, fortunately, and then we did actually end up serving the guy <laughs> and uh, and it really got his attention after ignoring us for a bit. And he wasn't like, like, you can't sue me. You can't bring me to court. I'll kill you. Like he actually was like, all right, let's figure this out. He's like, so, yeah, you're right. I haven't paid you. And yeah. Then- yeah. So, <laughs> so we didn't really technically get paid back in cash, but Chase did have the sickest graduation party i've ever seen for renting out the restaurant for about three hours for the full bar <laughs> and catered food so th- there was at least like some sort of kickback for, from that yeah i mean i'm sure it wasn't the value because it was his restaurant but it was a pretty fun party really not still a client is he <laughs> um it's very rare that we get stiff now yeah only times that's happened more recently and and it was for one month was if someone on our team messed something up really bad and they're like, I'm, I'm done. And also I'm not paying this month. And then we have to figure it out. Um, but that doesn't happen that often. Like yeah. just, just straight up doing our job and not getting paid. But that's just do contracts. And ask. This is something that you're probably going to have to deal with. Uh, it, I guarantee sure. it hundred yeah. percent. It's not all sunshine and, and rainbows when you have clients, you know, there are people too. And some people are good at running a business. Some people aren't good at running a business. Um, I would say, most most businesses aren't good at running a business. Um, no, they don't. They don't forecast. They don't like have their <clears> coffers. <throat> they don't, you know, have padding for things. You're, you're going to talk to people, and one the, one of the things you can do is you're just going to be able to sense some of these things before you even work with someone. And so you have to be aware. And not everyone's going to have the luxury of like vetting and choosing clients. Like that takes a while. Um, you don't really get to choose your clients for a while. <laughs> really, <Your ears>. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we, we we do and we have for a few years, but it's not, it's only been like a few years. I mean, there was talking about four years where we worked with basically everybody. But if you want to save the headache and you want to be wiser than I was in, in the past, you're you're going to know. I mean, in some ways, you might interview a client a little bit yourself. Like if someone's coming to you and they're saying like, you know, oh man, I really need this marketing work or else because I'm gonna have to like, you know, I'm gonna go out of business in three months. You don't want to, you can't really work with that person because it, the likelihood that you're going to get paid is like fairly minimal. If you're the savior of the business, it's probably not a good business to like. It's already failed. Yeah. yeah like that's so, the thing. I, I get that all the time in the, in the world that I work in, which is partly franchise. And it's like, uh, people never follow the franchise guides of what you're supposed to do. Right. So like they pay all this money to, to be a franchise and have like a, a procedure for operating, but then they don't follow it. Right. And so like, you know, digital marketing is only going to, only going to do so much. It's only going to drive so many leads. It's only going to, you know, like you still need to do all the other stuff that like, isn't necessarily digital and it's not glamorous and it's not fun. Uh, but it's like really, really crucial to like running, running a business and like, you know, getting, getting revenue, like regularly coming in in different streams. Um, and very often it's, they, they look at SEO as like the silver bullet to fix like all their, all their mismanagement problems, you know? So if the, if the phone is ringing off the hook all day, but no one's answering it, or you're only answering one out of every 10, because you don't know how to staff a store or like you can't keep staff or whatever. Um, you know, like ultimately they have to run a good business or it's, it's all for naught. You know, it's, it's a, it's a waste of money. It's a waste of time. Exactly. It, it goes with intake. I, I know, I know like a consultant, he won't even work with them unless they like sign a formal document saying like, I'm going to get a CRM and I'm going to have proper intake. I'm not going to waste either one of our time. It's like that Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross, maybe where he's like, these weed leads aren't for you. 
All right, because you're weak. <laughs> These leads are for people who can actually close and they're golden and you're not one of those people. So we're not giving them. <laughs> uh, that's, that's brutal. But, um, but in, in some ways, I'd almost encourage people, and this isn't necessarily things that we ask, but we can see it. When you're talking to the business owner, you can see their website, you can see what they've accomplished. You, you know that they're doing something. <laughs> like you, you know that they've gone there for a reason. So we don't have to be like, it's you have to have an good. intake to pick up on someone that has their stuff together and someone that doesn't, or at least someone that like cares and like, will put out the effort versus someone that doesn't, you know, like there, there are definitely businesses, business owners that I think are, they're wet behind the ears, right. They're naive and they don't know how to do it yet, but like they will. And then there are people that like, maybe they've had a business for like five years and it's never really grown, you know? And then you start asking the question, well, like, well, why, like, what have you done in those five years to like do anything? And yeah. you kind of spot that though. Yeah, you just like, kind of ask them throughout the conversation and, you know, you'll have discovery calls with people, you know, you have the you know, intro, however you, you find them, whether they're a referral, whether they're in a networking group or social media, however you decide to take the plunge and start doing your lead so, gen and acquisition. So that's a great segue to the next question I had for you. And that was like finding clients. So let's say you've gotten a few to start, maybe you got two or three. Um, how did you go about finding like new clients when, when you first started out? So starting out, um, it was a little bit of a, a domino effect um, where we got um, a self-storage company in New York City that had like a lot of locations and was like a pretty good monthly retainer. And a couple of people on the team were movers and shakers. And I mean, really, then it turns into referrals and word of mouth. So that's that's really a great way to start is it's. Absolutely. I don't really necessarily have an approach for asking. Hopefully you just do a great job and, and you end up getting some you know, word of mouth referrals from them when they're happy, but it's paramount. I mean, it is make or break for your first few clients that if you do a bad job, like that, that, uh, it's really hard to planning are, are not going to be watered and it's not going to be fruitful. Like from the yeah. get go, you got to start all over again. Yeah. So, so you were just getting it organically. You, you weren't trying to find it. People were essentially like, coming to you through relationship building that you have with, with current clients. That's, that's how it starts. Again, that's, that's not nothing really novel. Um, it, in retrospect, it's, it's good to kind of develop some channels. Like we were trying a lot of different things and it, like none of them did crap, except you do remember that we did rank number one in the country for fitness marketing company and got like an insane amount of leads <clears throat> every day. For I, I do remember that. Yes. So, so actually um, one thing that we, we did like absolutely kill it, but it like didn't, work out because of just the nature of the industry was we decided to take an organic approach. Like let's rank our own website for good actionable keywords, such as like a fitness marketing company. We, we ranked number one and we used to get three or four leads a day. <laughs> like legitimately we would be, it turns out those aren't really great leads. <laughs> like those aren't really great businesses. <laughs> the problem is, is that some, um, it was for us a very difficult industry to work in um, because we did not mesh with the business owners. And so a lot of people, you know, some people listening might think like different price points are like, fine. It's just depends on, on your lifestyle. But, you know, a lot of people wanted to pay like $300 a month on average. And the way that we were trying to structure, you know, like would, it would never work. It might work for an individual, depending on like a very, very limited scope of work. But when we had like employees, if we were to break down the hours and then the calls and the reporting, I'm sure we were making like, 20 or $30 an hour, which is like horrendous for, for an agency. It's oh, it, for an individual. It could be a good lifestyle for an agency. It's like not sustainable. One rule or like one piece of advice that you would give an agency owner starting out. If, if you had to sum it all up. Uh, not, not one. Let me, let me talk out so, something else. Maybe it might be two. Okay. Okay. So there were some, there's always like pivotal moments and there's always like things where you, where you can, that there's like a shift in the, in the winds. Like there are definitely things are moving in, in hopefully a better and more positive direction. And um, I think one of them for us was, I think the sooner that you can start to join like kind of communities or like a mastermind group or, or some sort of, you know, with other agency owners or other SEOs, but it can also just be business owners in general. I think the sooner kind of the better. I mean, you don't also like no offense to people. You don't want to waste people's time. Like people that are, that are like been running a company for 10 or 15 years and have employees. And then you roll up and you're like, cool. So 
I just uh, filed my taxes for the first time. I think about like doing my first hire. Like it, it still has to be within a group that you have like my sort of like minded individuals. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the sooner that can like kind of happen, the better, because you just learn, you learn from everyone's, you know, their successes and their accomplishments and then also their issues and their obstacles. And it's always great to like relate and bounce ideas. Um, so the sooner you can kind of get with like-minded individuals and in, in somewhat of a similar spot. I mean, you always want to like work with people that are doing better than you do. You have to, you know, yeah. see what the next step looks like. So um, I always think that that's good. And I was um, kind of stubborn about that because I'm just like, oh, I don't want to freaking talk to business about business people, but it's just going to happen. You can't, you can't thrive in an Island. You know, you, yeah. you're going to have to, have to honestly, <clears throat> people love to talk about their successes and tell other people like how they were successful. So people will tell you stuff that like, they probably even shouldn't <laughs> like competitive stuff. <laughs> oh, sure. And, and that's like the great thing. I mean, we, we did one chase and I made a big difference and we still talked to a few of the people that we met in Atlanta, like four years ago, when one of them, you know, was um, as a competitor of ours, and he was just like s- completely transparent with how he operated his entire business, and we were like, I can't believe he's divulging his whole process. Um, yeah. But that's how it works. He doesn't care. Like he's, they're confident. They still know that you're not going to like replicate every single thing, and they're not giving you secret sauce every freaking step of the way. But yeah, they can tell you like some of the, the main things, and. Um, and I think that was great. And, and the second, which I really wish we did sooner or later, especially with, honestly with my background is we should have niched into legal much sooner than later because we were working in like every industry. And after a while, we're like, well, how are we going to put out content? How are we going to establish ourselves as thought leaders? How are we going to say that we're experts on something? And I'm like, wait, you're doing all these like, other- we're doing so much legal. Like I've been doing yeah. legal forever. Like, let's just focus more on legal. And then before you know it, <clears throat> then, it then you're having pitches and so like, oh, we only do legal. Oh, I'm talking to three other agencies that do everything. Oh, yeah, they can't just do everything. Legal is very competitive and specific. Oh, okay, you guys are experts. So finding a niche is, is probably a positive from the start. The way that I tell, tell people, and I tell people, I tell anyone that's listening because I don't have this conversation every day. Um, I think that it's really, you really do have to pick one or two things. You either pick an industry that's like pretty specific or you pick, like a service that's very specific that can be applied to many different industries. You have to like kind of pick one though, especially with how many agencies freaking exist nowadays. Yeah. So if you do legal, like we do SEO and we do content, and then you know we'll like have campaigns that are social, we'll build websites. We just started doing video, doing video production. So it's like kind of a suite, but it's still not everything, but we don't really work with too many other industries besides, you know, some medical, um, maybe some dental, like that's because that's like, pretty similar in in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I were to just only do content marketing, that's it. Like just great, great content that's optimized. Then I would feel comfortable working in a lot more industries. Yeah. All right. So I I feel like that, that sums up a a pretty good introduction to things that you should be (laughs) concerned with. 10 or 20. (laughs) Things that you should be uh, knowledgeable about, uh, just know that that exists. I, I think that the most useful thing of this uh, is knowing that like, you're probably not going to get paid <laughs> at some point. You're definitely you'll not going to get hundred percent. And what happens, <clears throat> you'll probably waste more time trying to pursue it than just moving on and so, dropping the client. Yeah. So if, if you really want to, you know, go to, go to battle over that, you need to have like a lawyer that, that you can, you know, that you can work with. Um, and generally I think when people get, get served something, it, it, it lights a fire and they're like, I got to solve this problem versus like find a legal route for it. Like most small business owners would rather not deal with any of that. Um, it doesn't feel, it probably doesn't feel good to get served. Like it I don't doesn't, be <clears throat> it doesn't feel good to get served, but also like then you have to deal with being served. Right. And, and it's like the unknown of like, what do I have to, now I have to figure out how to deal with this, which, which is like a lot. Um, so uh, really good advice on that. I think finding a niche um, that you can be successful in that, uh, that you can be like a thought leader. in, I, I think is also like a really, really good thing. And I, I know, um, just from my own experience, like when I was taking on, you know, side clients, like I would, they would be in all types of different things. Um, and like, you're just more, you're, you're more excited, like, Hey, you're getting the business, right? Like people want to use you and like, you can, you can generate some revenue, but it is definitely really good advice to like find clients in that niche that you, that, you know, you want to work in that, you know, like you can be successful in and that, you know, can be profitable. Yeah. I, like I, I really like legal. I like that 
declines in the competitiveness. Um, but I would recommend, and I think we've talked about this in podcasts before, just don't pick a niche because the people just have money. Like that's, it's just, <clears throat> well, I, I know. Like, keep in mind that the more money <clears throat> from a niche, the, the more competitive it's going to be. Like, you know, there's going to be agencies, uh, very boutique agencies that just service that specific thing that make a ton of money off of it. And like legal is no exception. I, I would say like outside of like uh, stuff in the medical industry, like um, plastic surgery, things like that. Uh, it, it's probably the most competitive industry that you can work in from, from an SEO standpoint, just because there, there is so much money and like the leads out there. Um, and there's just a lot of competition. There's just, a, there's a ton of lawyer, lawyers. Well, well, that's why even people that are in legal are niching even more and not just doing legal, they're only working with personal injury lawyers. Yeah, it's not, I mean, that's so, you could be like, I only do DUI, right? That's the only thing that like, I feel comfortable wild. with. Yeah, um, <clears throat> so, so that's totally true. All right, well, I think, I think that's pretty good introductory advice if you're getting started out and hopefully you've, you have an actual business and you're not doing this all like illegally and laundering the money. Uh, so I would, I would suggest not doing that. I also think that like keeping really, really good accounting is, is, is really, really crucial. I think, um, especially like when it comes to like tax time at the end of the year, um, you know, it's a whole different world if you've never had your own business, like, like taxes and like, uh, you know, expenses and things like that, where you need like good record keeping. <laughs> like, it's really, it's really important to be able to yeah, show like, know, maybe you get away with it for like a couple of years. Who knows? I don't, if you're I don't not know. making any money. Yeah. You can get away with it. But if you are making like, uh, you know, like if you're making enough to like supplement your income, um, you need to be able to like have good accounting. Um, it's really, really crucial. And it can be like a really big difference between like making money and like owing money, you know, or like, like not making any money, essentially hiring people, where to find them, how to develop people. Yeah. This is going to be a a whole (laughs) 4.4 part series, uh, that Ryan's going to, going to walk us through because he has just a a ton of experience. You've been doing it for like what, seven, eight years now. You know, every single time I'm on a pitch or I'm talking to a client, they're like, how long have you been in business? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Like I got to work on that maybe like seven, maybe eight, maybe six. Um, I think that technically incorporated nine years ago, technically, but I think it's been full-time, really kind of full-time for five or six. See, I'm still doing it. I'm just going to say six years. I'm just going to say it was really full-time in 2016 because I think that's really, really around where it was. I mean, that's a long time, man, especially considering most businesses go out of business the first year they exist, right? Like that. that's it. So, you know, you're, you've already you've already beaten, beaten the odds doing it. So it's quite an accomplishment. Gotcha guys. Gotcha. Um, all right. Well, thanks uh, so much to everyone that, that's listening. We're going to do, you know, a series for this one. So hopefully you get some use out of it. You uh, have to finish it. It's just starting. It's just hold us accountable. <laughs> um, but again, we appreciate all of our listeners, even though there's been a giant gap between our last, uh, our last episode. Um, Hopefully we'll, we'll keep this up pretty regularly going on in the new year uh, in 2022. Um, but again, we, we appreciate everyone that listens and be sure to like, share, subscribe anywhere that you, I don't know, listen to this podcast at, whether it be the Podbean, which is what hosts us or which doesn't pay us any money um, or, you know, Apple, whatever, whatever it is, you know, just like whatever's, share, whatever's share. out there, whatever's new in the past, you know, five months, the stitchers, whatever's out there, but we do really, really appreciate everyone that listens. Uh, So thank you so much again for listening. I'm Paul Warren. And I'm Ryan Klein. And this has been another episode of SEO is Dead and Otherwise. See you. Bye.